Welcome back to The Long View, a podcast centered around the long-term goal of sustainable success for the Memphis Grizzlies, everything it takes along the way to ensure that there will be a championship parade on Beale Street and that there will be a championship banner hanging in the FedEx form. The Long View is a Grizzly Bear Blues podcast on the Grizzly Bear Blues podcast network alongside GBB Live, the Core 4 Podcast, the 3 and D Podcast, and the Starting 5 Podcast. You can find all that wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. And Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me is none other than Isaac Simpson. He works for Memphis Rivals, and he is also a podcast host of the Hoopball Grizzlies podcast. Isaac, how's it going, man? I'm good, man. Thanks for joining me on. How you doing, Parker? Man, I'm doing pretty good. You know, uh, I had to have you on because it's draft season. You, One of your... Your big specialties for for years now has been college basketball. I mean, you've been covering college basketball for about as long as I've followed you, which probably is about like at least four or five years now. So, you know, you know your college hoops and, you know, there's a draft prospect that you talked to me about. And it really kind of caught me by surprise because, you know, you have your background in college basketball and this prospect is actually an international prospect it's uh none other than the point the point god from the down under it's josh giddy from all he uh played for the uh nbl league played for the 36 yeah yeah Yeah, i didn't want to butcher the name i didn't want to be disrespectful (laughs) to any of our australian listeners listening right now but no it, it really kind of uh surprised me that you were interested just because you know you've You've definitely watched a lot of college basketball and stuff, and just the fact that the guy that you're so enthusiastic about is an international prospect. You quote tweeted our Grizzly Bear Blues profile on him yesterday, written by Brandon Abraham, and you said hashtag giddy for giddy. Yeah, (laughs) So, Isaac, let me ask you, what makes you so giddy about Josh Giddy? Yeah, man, he's one of my favorite prospects in the draft, uh, no doubt. I have my doubts that he'll be there at 17 when the Grizzlies is on the clock, but if he is, I'm, I hope they run up there with the card uh, to the commissioner uh, and, and get that pick in. But uh, I think the first thing that jumps out to you on film with Giddy is his size at 6'8", 205. I mean, he's extremely young. He's only 18 years old, and you just see the elite court vision and ball handling skills. I mean, he's really, really good at orchestrating the pick and roll. I mean, just – 
a savant almost at the pick and roll. I mean, he's been 6'8", it kind of allows them to, to see over and survey over the top of the defense, something that if, if a, a smaller guard at the position might not be able to do. Uh, does a really good job of pacing the game. Uh, he knows when to push the tempo. He knows when to slow it down. Um, and offensively, he has an advanced floater game, which we know Grizzlies, that's a, a, a method that they use a lot. So he kind of fits in really well there. Uh, defensively, uh, since he's not a big-time athlete, he kind of uses his smarts and craftiness to, similar to kind of a Kyle Anderson uh, to, to kind of make hay there and to kind of get the job done. Uh, but when you look at him, a lot of international prospects, they when, before coming over, you think, I mean, they just don't give you anything on defense. I don't think he's going to be a complete disaster on defense, and I even think that's maybe somewhere where he can improve. So I think that that's a positive. I mean, he does have some limitations there, but I don't think he's going to be – an abject disaster on that end of the floor. So, I mean, I, I just like him. I, I just love He's so fun to watch. You see some of the passes that he makes, the the, the basketball IQ on, on both ends of the floor. I mean, he's just a really smart player and extremely young. And, again, I just think, again, I, I love watching him play. I think he'll be really fun to watch. And uh, another thing, like a small aspect of this is being a small market team, and I don't mind a guy bringing the whole country with him. You draft Josh Giddy, I think, like you, you mentioned there a little earlier, I think Australia, the land down under, will be – Chris Nation down there, and I don't have any problems with that. That would be pretty fun for the Memphis Grizzlies to be the official NBA team of the entire country of Australia. I mean, they, they have some, they got some hoopers. I mean, they got Joe Ingles, they got Ben Simmons. Uh, they actually have two Australian natives. They have uh, Ben Simmons and Matisse Seibel, uh, Pat, yeah. Patty Mills. Patty Mills, I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, I mean, I was going to say Dante Exum. I mean, he's kind of like on his way out of the league right now. But, no, I, I, that's a very, very good point that you raised. And, you know, I've been, like, watching some film here and there. Obviously, it's just tough to catch games. I, I think they streamed on Twitch. But, I mean, just that time zone difference yeah, is really yeah, tough but- to make that time commitment to really watch those games. But uh, just from the clips, I know uh, in particular, I always like watching clips from uh, Maz Draft. Twitter account. Yeah, it's one of my and favorites then, as well. Yeah, he he does awesome, awesome draft work. He's actually coming on our uh, GBB Live next week. So stay tuned for that. And then there's also um, Brendan Nunes. He is a host of the King's Pulse podcast on Blue Wire Pods and writes for the King's Herald. A lot of good uh, writers over there, the old uh, SB Nation side for the Kings. But he was sharing some giddy stuff today, and he was making some passes that looked pretty wicked. I mean, it kind of – yeah, man. <laughs> I don't want to put him in the same vein, but just kind of his skip passes to the corner kind of look like Luca. Yeah. He's not near the shot maker of Luca, but I, I think Brandon Abraham put it best. He described him as a 6'8 Ricky Rubio. And Isaac, I, I want to yeah. ask you I know I didn't really send this in any sort of outline or anything, but. Are you willing to shell together, you know, the 17th pick and the Utah pick if if he's not – if it's looking like he's not available at 17? Are you willing to part ways with, like, those assets or maybe even a player to move up and go get Giddy, given that I, maybe he's, like, a 6'8 Rubio? I would be. I know a lot of Grizz fans are probably, like, scoffing at this right now, but I, I, that's how much I like Josh Giddy, And that's kind of kind of funny because both of those comparisons that you just said to – Luca, the way he passes the basketball, I've said that. I've also said that the player that he reminds me most of is uh, Pete Rubio, when, like, like a young Rubio when first coming into the league, kind of 
just the, his stature and, and the way he controls the game. I think that fits. I think I actually think he'll be better than Rubio, and I think that's probably <laughs> that might be an overstatement. I don't want to go too crazy, but I think overall, I think he might have a better career than, than Rubio because I think he's a little bit more talented. That's crazy thing with Rubio coming out the number two pick, but that's how much I believe in Josh Gideon. I would definitely be willing to to move up to get him. I know a lot of Grizzly fans probably look at the fit and don't think he's a natural fit for this team, but I, I kind of think he fits, and I, we'll probably talk about that in, in, in a little bit, but I, I, I just, he's so much, so fun to watch, and I think he would just add a, a flair to this team, and, and we already have that with John, and I think he just kind of kind of add to that because I think having two guys that can pass the basketball the way they can, I think it'd be really fun, and, and I think these forwards on this team, I think, would really, really enjoy that. Oh, yeah, absolutely, and if there's there's nothing that Coach Jenkins loves more than having as many playmakers on the floor as possible, and Josh Giddy at 6'8", he provides that. You don't necessarily have to play him a point. You can move him to the three. He could be a small ball four. You can put him at the two whatever like that it works for him i mean he actually led the nbl this year in assists and he averaged more assists than lamella ball did granted you know there was a lot of film last year on lamella where he made a lot of awesome dimes but he didn't get the assist just because his teammates would blow the shot but you know when i say you know with giddy you can play him at the two three four the big concern i guess with him being off ball more is his shooting he shot about 27 percent from three last year in the nbl and i mean his shot mechanics from looking at film were like kind of stiff a little bit yeah uh, there's nothing really fluid or anything i'm actually reading a, a tweet here right now that in his first seven nbl games he was two of 20 from three but in the next 21 he was 27 of 79 good for 34 percent. so you know that the law of averages kind of skewed a little bit, but are you concerned about his shooting fits given that in this construction of the Memphis Grizzlies, he's going to be playing off ball quite a bit to John Morant? Yeah, his shoot is definitely streaky. Uh, like you said, he, he shot horribly early in the season. I think he finished out to 29.3% from downtown for the year. And, and you always got to look at the free throw shooting as kind of a measure to see if there's upside there. And he also only shot 69% from the free throw line. So that's not great for a guard either. Um, he's 29 and 99 overall uh, from three. So not, not great numbers there, but I mean, there, there are times in games where he looks really good. I, I do think, and, and we've kind of seen this, uh, but I think his shooting could definitely need some work, but I've noticed with international prospects, a lot of times they have poor shooting numbers in international play, but he ended up being able to, to shoot better in the league for whatever reason. I think Dunsick, Stunting is a good example as he only shot 28% from three his last season before coming over. So hopefully that's the case with Josh Giddy. But I've noticed that with a lot of guys, it seems like three-point-wise, their numbers are low, and then they come over to the, to the U.S. and they're better shooters when they get into the league. And I, I don't know what that is. But uh, that's definitely, I think, if you're going to look for a weakness in his game, shooting is definitely it. He's been streaky. But you hopefully, if when he gets into the NBA, he could be a little bit more consistent than he was in the NBL play. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, that it, it could always happen. I mean, not even just with international players, but, I mean, you have players that they go from college to NBA and, you know, they're better three-point shooters than suggested. I mean, even then, you kind of have it to where a lot of the times – I know with Europe, one thing that kind of played in Doncic's favor is that – or against Doncic's favor is 
uh, the absence of the 30-second rule. So teams kind of packed in a lane. And, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, guys like Giddy and LaMelo and Luca, I don't want to put Giddy in the same vein as those guys. Those are special prospects. But uh, they had to have the ball in their hands a lot. And sometimes when you are that guy that has to create at the end of the shot clock, you're taking pretty what most yeah. people would call bad shots, but really they're tough shots. They're tough taking shot. tough yeah. shots low percentage shots, and that's going to alter a shooting percentage based on the frequency of those shots. So maybe in a role where maybe he's a bench guy or he's playing a little more off ball, he has more time to get his rhythm. You never know. But it kind of leans into um, another another concern is, again, how is he going to play off ball? Like, is he going to need to be on the ball enough to make an impact – in the NBA offensively because I mean, he, he's a high volume assist guy and he had the ball in his hands a lot in the NBL, but I mean, he doesn't really profile as like a franchise point guard or anything. I, I think honestly, he's kind of best in this like little Sean Livingston mold where he's kind of off the bench. He's yeah. a utility guy. He can run the offense off the bench, but he can also play next year starting point guard. So is, is there any concerns for you with Giddy? playing off the ball? I think long-term, uh, like you said, I think he kind of projects it as, as that guy you said in Sean Livingston Moe, more of a secondary ball handler if he's on the forward job, which I think being at 6'8", I think he can he can play that role. I think the concern that you have with that is defensively when he's not playing in, in the traditional point guard role, let's say if you had him at the three or the four, Kent, with his, he's not super explosive and, and he's not I wouldn't say that this lateral quickness is awful, but it's not great either. And I think the concern is when he, if he's not guarding traditional point guards, can he guard bigger players? I think that's kind of my main concern with him outside of the, the shooting and the streaking is there. I think that's kind of what concerns me. I, I don't think he projects as just a, a straight point guard. I, like you said, I think he is that, that secondary ball handler, a guy that can come off the bench and, and, and run the offense if you need it, kind of like what we saw with Kyle Anderson. Uh, early in the season. I think that's kind of the guy that, that, that he's going to be. Uh, but I think there is some concern there because, again, he's not as – you see what a lot of international prospects, the, the lateral quickness is awful. It's not awful with him, but, again, he's not super explosive. So, defensively, I think that you wonder, can he guard bigger players? And also, offensively, when, when him not being super explosive and not really shifty, can he get consistent separation um, uh, from, from players on offense? So, that's definitely a concern of mine. But I just think the other things, the aspect of lead court vision, the IQ, and some of the other things that he does, the way he can run an offense and run a pick and roll, I think outweigh some of the negatives. But again, I think I would love to see him because he's just so so fun to watch. He's just one of those players that would like with job and not athleticism wise. That you're not going to get the dunks and things like that from from Giddy. But some of the passes he makes, he makes some of those wild glow trotter s type passes that that just mouth drop. And I think. Having that on the team, I think it's really fun, and I think he would be worth the price of admission. That's one of the reasons why I like him so much. There's definitely some flair with him, and he makes some incredible passes. And honestly, I have two goals uh, for the long-term building of the Memphis Grizzlies. One, uh, big playmakers. That That's just a, a big thing, especially as the Grizzlies kind of trended more towards perimeter-oriented offenses in the yeah. playoffs. I mean, they, they played four perimeter guys in a big – and a lot of their lineups when they kind of went away from the starting lineup. So 
getting as many big playmakers as possible with potential to shoot, that, that's going to be big as well. And another thing, too, is down the road, I would like it to where the Grizzlies, their backup point guard is either A, someone that can play next to John Morant, or B, it's the starting shooting guard that profiles more as a combo guard, and you can just have one of those two guys in and out of the lineup for all 48 minutes. And so with Giddy, I think he falls more in the former where he could potentially be this this bench utility guy. He can come in at the three, he can come in at the four, he can come in at the one or the two, and you can play next to John Morant, or, and he can also run the offense a bit when Morant is off the court. Kind of basically what people were wanting out of Justice Winslow. Yeah, um, exactly. Do you see that as the optimized role for him? And if not, what would you say his optimized role going forward is? Yeah, I think I agree 100% with you there. I think that's kind of what, what he would project as a, a, ideally for the Grizzlies. Um, a guy that can you can pretty much play him anywhere, anytime. I mean, you could have him on the floor with Ja, uh, like you said, a secondary ball handler, give Ja a break sometimes, and you put him on the basketball. I think he could really thrive in that role if you don't have to have him on the ball all the time. You can bring him in off the bench. as the backup point guard. He can play some three, like what, what Kyle Aronson did, three and four. Uh, I, I think Having a guy like that, I think, really help you because, I mean, he's that jack-of-all-trades where you can kind of use him in all these different situations. And I think that's best for him because of his deficiency defensively and uh, the way he shoots the basketball. He's not a guy that you got to have in a specific role all the time. Like, he's not a two-guard. You're not going to have to have him as your true point guard all the time. I think him being able to move around, I think, will kind of hide some of his deficiencies and you can use him in different ways. And we know that Taylor Jenkins likes to – to have versatile guys and, and that versatility. So I think you could deploy him in a different, a, a, a numerous different ways. And I think that would be fantastic for this team. And again, I, I know a lot of people might look at it on paper and say that he's not a ideal fit, but I disagree because I think he's a fit on, on pretty much any team because I think he can play so many different roles, put on so many different hats for you. And, and again, the versatility is one thing that I really love about him and, and kind of one of the reasons why he's my favorite prospect. Absolutely. And, you know, in today's NBA, versatility is king. And for Coach Taylor Jenkins' offense, he wants as many playmakers on the floor as possible. So if you kind of want a little bit of those things, Josh Giddy is going to be your prospect. I very much encourage you to kind of go check out his film, catch out scouting reports, whatever. Uh, just leading in, I mean, check out our Grizzly Bear Blues profile on him on our website. And, you know, maybe you might find yourself getting as giddy for Josh Giddy as Isaac is. But we're going to take a little quick ad break here. But on the other side, we are going to talk about one more draft prospect this show. So don't go anywhere. All right. So this one, we're kind of flipping it a little bit. We're instead of talking about one of the youngest players in the draft, we're talking about one of the oldest players in the draft. And that is Chris Duarte. He's been a mock draft favorite for the Memphis Grizzlies just because they've kind of made this little trend here where they keep going more towards these older established college basketball players that are fairly productive in college and they can easily make an impact in an NBA rotation towards winning day one. 
whether that's Brandon Clark or Desmond Bain or a three-year player, Xavier Tillman, or even trading for a guy like Grayson Allen. That's just kind of been their MO is they're going to, they're not going to care about age. They're going to care more about talent and fit and just the idea of them contributing day one towards winning and making an impact for playoff teams. And so, I mean, Chris Duarte is like a guy that profiles is that he's going to be ready day one. I mean, he kind of has to, he's, he's going to be 24 years old when he makes his NBA debut. But I mean, there's a lot to like about this Oregon guard. He can, he's a electrifying three point shooter. He shot 42% from three this past season at Oregon averaged 17 points about four or five rebounds, three assists, two steals. He's kind of your plug-and-play 3-and-D guy, and he can create a little bit of the mid-range. He can get to the rim pretty decently. So, But the thing is, he's, he's just an, an older player. But before we kind of get into that stuff, Isaac, I do want to ask you, what is it about Chris Duarte that makes him so interesting and why you uh, tend to like him as a draft prospect? Yeah, of the realistic guys at 17, I don't kind of, I don't really put Josh Giddy in that category. I think he's going to be a little bit earlier than that. I think you might have to go up and get him and make a trade if you're going to try to get him. Duarte is number one on my list for the realistic guys at 17 for the Grizzlies. So first off, you like the size for the two guard position, six six. Uh, you the big big guy right there, big guard, and you got to look into one through the numbers. 17 points a game, five rebounds, three assists, two steals, almost a block, 42 percent from three on almost six attempts a game, 81% from the free throw line, at 63% on two-point shots. He's in a 90th percentile on pull-up jump shots uh, in, in this draft. Uh, 53% shooter overall. I mean, extremely efficient for a high-volume guy. Uh, I mean, he just does pretty much everything well, doesn't really have a weakness. I think, I guess, the biggest weakness that he would have was he's not the biggest athlete, but uh, can score from all three levels, um, has the ability to play on and off the basketball, uh, he's not just a guy that just kind of stands around in the corner like you, a lot of shooters. He's a guy that can create for himself, uh, moves well without the basketball. Uh, with a lot of the guys that kind of get labels as shooters or scorers, uh, defense is usually uh, a liability for them. That's not the case with Duarte. Uh, he gets in passing lanes, a good one-on-one defender, uh, high motor, uh, always plays hard. And you kind of kind of mentioned this at the, at the onset, 24 years old, That you, you the Grizzlies have had a lot of success with guys, these older guys, what you talked about, Bain, Tillman, uh, Brandon Clark, guys that come in at a plug-and-play uh, and ready to play. And I think Chris Darte, I think, is that in a, in a nutshell. I think the pity that if you look up in a dictionary, many Ray prospects, guys ready to step in day one, I think you'd have a picture of Chris Duarte there. So being 24 years old doesn't really scare me at all. Uh, and I think, again, I think, I think he's a guy that can step in and, and play immediately. And the Grizzlies have had a lot of success with those guys. And uh, I, I think Duarte can come in and, and do a lot of things for you. I mean, we've talked about this being a, a trend with the Grizzlies. This is a year where you kind of look at the, the roster construction and say, well, this could be a year where they take an upside swing because they don't have a lot of minutes or, or position for a lot of guys or a rookie to come in and get minutes. But who knows what happens with this roster consolidation while. So if they took Duarte at 17, man, I'd be extremely happy. Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. Honestly, in most years, like if this was, let's say this was like a post-consolidated roster where you're kind of, and you're, you have like John Morant on your max contract. You have Jaron Jackson Jr. on his contract extension. 
and you're just kind of looking for value because, you know, you're close to the luxury tax and maybe you're at a point where it's like, okay, we have about nine solid rotation guys. Let's go get one more in the draft. Then like Duarte would probably be like towards the top of my list. And it's not even that he's that low on my board. I think I still have him like a little bit above the, the edge of the top 20. I have him like 19 or 20. But it's one of those things where, you know, we don't know those moves right now, and it's tough to really gauge consolidation because the only player that's kind of out there in terms of potential trade bait for a star is Damian Lillard, and that's just not going to happen for the Memphis Grizzlies. And so you're, you're kind of having to ask yourself with Duarte, uh, where can he play and who is he going to play over? Because, I mean, my idea with the upside swing is, you know, you could take your 19-year-old player and you can kind of have him be like a Suedo quasi red shirt and with the Memphis Hustle. You can kind of explore his game, allow him to expand his game as well, and just kind of really build reps and confidence with the Memphis Hustle So before you can make some more uh, rotation decisions and more roster decisions. But with Duarte, with him being 24 years old, he's a guy that needs to play immediately. I don't really feel comfortable using a first-round pick on a 24-year-old that either A, can't be in the rotation right now, or B, you're having to send down to the hustle for that quasi-redshirt season. So, Isaac, I'll ask you, can Duarte play ahead of Brooks, Bain, Melton, or Grayson? I agree with your assessment wholeheartedly with what you're saying. With like You look at the roster right now, and you're thinking – I mean, Chris Duarte, like you said, is a guy that can step in day one. I think one of the safest prospects in the draft, one of the highest floors in the draft, I think there's almost 0% that he's a, a bust. I think at worst, he's a, a solid role player. I just think he's going to be able to come in and score and do some things on the defensive end day one. I mean, he's been at 24 years old. I mean, he's been around for a while. So uh, you do look at that, and I, I just, to me, and, and I, I understand your points exactly, I just, feel like I was still, no matter what, I want to take the best prospect, the guy that I think is going to be the best player, and I just kind of figure out from there. Uh, but but looking at the roster right now, I understand there would be concern of, because he's not a guy that you're going to want to sit down to to stop Haven to play him. He's 24 years old. He's going to be ready to play. He's not probably not going to be happy with that either. So that would be a concern if that happened. I just feel like at some point in this summer, they're going to have to make a move to, to consolidate this roster and that's, of course, can he play over to those guys. I mean, that's kind of that, – that's tough to say. I mean, you definitely don't think he's going to play over Brooks uh, right now with, with the, the type of season and the way he's played right now. And he, even the other guys, when you talk about Grayson Allen, who, who has his moments as well, I guess with a, with a rookie coming in now, even at 24 years old, the answer to that question would probably be no. So I, I understand the concerns there. I just think taking the best prospect is your best bet, and I think they're going to make some kind of moves. And I guess if you – bring in Duarte and, and you feel like he's a guy that can step in and play, you kind of evaluate from there and, and make moves from there. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, best player available. I mean, that I feel like that everybody kind of does like fit over best player available, but it, it's, it's really like, Hey, go get the best player available. Especially with and a young if there, Yeah. If there's a problem, you can figure it out. But I, I do one thing with Chris Duarte and I'm actually writing about this on Grizzly Bear Blues, is, you know, in the playoffs, I, I mentioned earlier in the Josh Giddy segment about how the Grizzlies, they trended towards those four perimeter uh, lineups around one big. 
And, you know, a lot of those lineups included playing Melton and Grayson and yeah. uh, Desmond Bain at the same time. And, you know, you're giving up a lot of size because, I mean, Bain's 6'6", six, six, but he has like a 6'4", six, 6'5", six, wingspan. And then you also have Grayson, who's about 6'3", six, 6'4", six, as well as Melton, who's like 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, so you're sacrificing a lot of size. I mean, Utah, when in those lineups, really, they were they had one of Ingles. They had a couple of Ingles, Bogdanovich, Clarkson, and Niang. I mean, aside from Clarkson, the rest of those guys are 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, so you need a little more size to contend because it's not even just – I know what they were doing. They're trying to keep up with them from a perimeter standpoint, being able to chase them around the perimeter, yeah, as well as get as much three point firepower to kind of match. You, I mean, it's not really match, but kind of hang in there with Utah. But you're sacrificing a lot of size. I mean, and then you kind of die, they kind of die on those screens, and they have a high release point, so it's just a tougher contest. So you know, adding a little bit of that size will help you match up with those lineups. And hey. Who knows? Maybe down the line, you're one of those teams that's having those lineups where you basically have your lead guard, three shooters with size, and a big man. Maybe that's you. And I think Chris Duarte kind of profiles as that guy as well. Yeah, and that, this team definitely, as you described, Eric, needs to get, I think, bigger on a wing, on a perimeter. You already have a, a smallish point guard and John Morant is just, you, you're having four small guys on the, on the floor, and we just saw in that Utah series where they just got killed, couldn't get around the screens. It was just a problem all series. They definitely, I think, going forward, need to, need to get bigger and, and, and not to throw another prospect in there, but that's kind of when you talk about a guy like Zaire Williams is a, a big upside guy, but he kind of fits that mold of a bigger guy that, that has some upside shooting-wise. You, you think his numbers weren't great at Stanford, but he fits that big wing guy, and I think that's something – that they, they need to they need to improve upon. And Duarte at 6'6", six, six, at the two-guard position, I think, kind of fits in that getting bigger uh, on the perimeter in the wing. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to have two long-view questions with Chris Duarte. And, I mean, it kind of all factors in with his age is, one, what what's his uh, future impact? Because, I mean, by the time the Grizzlies are really, you know, competing for hopefully championships and stuff, I mean, he's going to be about like 28 or 26, 27, 28 years old. Like, what's it like? Do you see him being a guy who could potentially take over that starting two or three spot? Or is he just going to be kind of like that knockdown shooter off the bench, basically kind of doing what Grayson does, but being a little taller? Yeah, at, at 24 years old, I think the, the, I think if you look at his numbers, I think the only thing stopping him from being a lottery pick is the fact that he's 24 years old. We had John Kepchevich. Uh, on our podcast of the day, and he kind of agreed with me. If, if he was 19, 18, 19 years old, I think he'd be a top 10 pick. You look at these numbers because he really doesn't have a weakness outside of not being the biggest athlete, but he's also not a terrible athlete. I mean, I look at some of the guys that are projected earlier, and I mean, tangible-wise, if you look at what they've done, Dorte's a better player than they are, at least right now. And, and you talk about what he projects to be I mean, age 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, I think being a guy that can step in immediately, I think, has the value. And I do think eventually he could be that guy that – and even expand on what Grayson is because I think Grayson is not a guy that can create for himself as much as Duarte is. So I think Duarte kind of expands on 
on that role with some of the things he can do. I think Duarte is also a better defender uh, than Grayson. So I think Duarte, even being a little bit older, being 24 years old, I think brings more to the table than Grayson. And I just think, number one, I think he could step in and play a role for this team immediately. I think even on a playoff team, Grizzlies making the playoffs this year, I think Duarte is a guy that could come in and I don't think you're going to have to try to figure out what he is or there's not going to be any growing time. I think day one, he could come in and play that role Grayson played and, and probably do it pretty well uh, day one. And again, he does. I think he brings more to the table long-term than Grayson. And that's not to bag on Grayson because I like Grayson a lot, probably more than a lot of Grizz fans do. But uh, I just think Duarte is a really safe pros- prospect. And I think at 17, I think he's probably the safest prospect there. Boke Knight is a guy that I really like. And, and some of the things that he does, Duarte brings to the table, but Duarte is a better three-point shooter than him. And you're not going to be able to get Boke Knight probably without moving up. So in order to get a guy like that, even if it rolled up, end up being kind of that microwave guy off the bench, this team needs that as well. So I think they'll find a way. If they do draft him at 17, I think they'll find a, a way to use it, whether it's a, a score off the bench or a guy that eventually evolves into evolves into that starting shooting guard. Yeah, for sure. And, and like my, my thing, too, is uh, into my next question. You, you have Duarte, but you also have these guys that are likely on the board that maybe a notch or so below him in production, but maybe similar in talent. You know, you mentioned Zaire Williams, uh, Josh Christopher is another player that's really kind yeah, of shot up my li- board. I like him a lot. I like him a lot. Uh, Josh Primo is somebody who's gaining, gaining steam. He's one of the youngest in the draft as well. You know, so like you can either A, take an established player like Duarte or B, take kind of that younger guy that's talented, but a little more question marks and you're going and you're allowing him to play in South Haven and stuff, gain confidence, figure out his role, stuff like that. But, and he can grow into being somebody who's eventually better than Chris Duarte. So, so my final long view question is, is there more upside for Chris Duarte for him to grow with him just being 24 years old? He's close to a, it's perceived that he's close to a finished product, but there are areas to his game where he can grow and potentially kind of outshoot more than his projection of just a three and D role player. I think, I think there's always going to be a, a little room for growth, but I think being 24 years old, like you said, I think he's close to a, a finished product. And I think that's kind of why his, he's projected in the middle to the bottom of the first round instead of going in a, in the lottery. I think you, you look at a lot of these guys and, and there's a potential for them to pass Chris Duarte. You talk about Josh Christopher is another guy I love as well. Uh, Cam Thomas out of LSU is another guy that I like. Trey Murphy out of Virginia. Um, I really like his size at six eight six nine. I think he brings a lot to the table. He's one of my prospects at 17 or if the Grizzlies decide to, to drop down a little bit into the first, maybe with Houston there with 23 or 24, who knows? Uh, but but I do think that's kind of the, the question that you have to ask yourself if you're the Grizzlies. Do you take this guy who you are pretty sure can step in and play a role for you, or do you take a shot with one of these guys? That, because who knows? you guy like Josh Christopher or some of these other guys that they could end up being the uh, a star player, all-star level player. And I don't know if Chris Duarte will ever be that. I think he'll be a really good role player at least. But these other guys, you don't know. I mean, you've seen – some of the things they could do, but they haven't really reached their ceiling yet. So that's that's kind of what you have to decide that you have to make with if you're the Grizzlies. Do you run with 
uh, a, a ready-made prospect, a, a veteran guy, kind of like in the mold of what they've done before? Or do you steer, steer away from that this year and, and go with a guy who has more room to grow and, and could it potentially be an all-star player down the line develop into that? I mean, you don't expect that at, at, at 17, but it's definitely possible because with some of these other guys, they haven't reached their potential yet and you don't know what they could grow into. Be, grow into. So I, I can see it from either, either way. Like, like I said, I'm a big fan of Duarte. If they decide to go potential, I definitely don't have a problem with that either. I think they're in a unique position to where their team that's right, they made the playoffs this year, they right at the bottom, they can still use a lot and and, and change a lot of things and, and grow, but they could also expand on what they have and bring in an older prospect. So it's going to be fun to see what direction they go. But, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of guys right there that I think that could really help the team now and some that could help going forward. So I, I'm excited about it. And whoever they pick, I'm, I'm probably going to be on board. That last sense, Isaac, is what really sticks with me throughout this entire process is whoever they pick, I'm going to be on board with it. They deserve – they have more than deserved all yeah. oh, yeah. benefit of the doubt. Uh, there's, there hasn't really been a, a pick that any of us questioned from the outset. And, you know, I, I'm not going to complain either way. You know, I have my concerns on Duarte, but am I going to be upset if they pick him? Absolutely not. The dude's a player. He can play, and he can be a very good player day one. Uh, Josh Giddy, if they traded up for him, not going to be upset. He's a great young player who can be a starter-level guy and be just another big playmaker and ultimately fulfill my my vision of having a backup point guard that can play alongside John Morant. I mean, I can go all on and on with who they can pick and I'd be happy with. There's not many guys that I wouldn't be happy with just because, one, talent. this is a talented draft class. I mean, I know it's very tough to say, like, oh, this player could be this. I mean, let's be real. There, there aren't 40 guys in a draft that are impact players in the NBA, but I, I have that, like, high confidence in a lot of these guys to, you know, be pr- pretty solid NBA players at, at the least. So, and, and two of those guys, Isaac, are – guys that we discussed here and Josh Giddy and Chris Duarte, but uh, do you have anything else to say or add before we close the show here? Um, no, nothing really. Just I, I'm excited. Again, the draft season is one of my favorite times of the year, man. I love watching film, breaking down these prospects. And uh, those are two guys that I, that I really like. Uh, but again, there's a lot of guys in, in that, in that range from 15 down to, to early second that, that I like a lot. And that's why I kind of tweeted out earlier today that I, I wouldn't mind if, if I'm the Grizzlies, I'm getting on the phone with OKC or the Knicks or the Rockets, the guys that seem to have a couple picks there um, in mid to late first. I, I would love to have two bullets. I know they don't have a lot of a roster spots right now, but again, I, I expect, expect them to make a, a consolidation move at some point this summer. I think it, it's coming to a head and I think they're going to have to do that. But there, there's so many guys that I like that I wouldn't mind having two shots here but it's going to be fun um and we've still got several weeks to, to talk talk more draft and again man breaking down these prospects and being a being a uh, fan and covering a team like this is is fun man a team that's still in, in their maturation process there's a lot of different ways this can go when we talk about whether they're going to take an established guy or take a, a guy for the future i mean they could go either way and this whole offseason is could be that i mean they could this is a team that we could see make a semi-significant move i don't think they're going to make a major move this summer, but we could see them make a semi-significant move where they could pretty much run it back. So that's what I'm excited about, man. I'm excited to continue to, to cover and, and, and talk about the team and see what happens this summer. 
Absolutely. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited for the offs. I know I, I love playoff basketball. I love what we've seen the, the past couple of weeks, even aside for the Grizzlies in playoff basketball. But, you know, I'm just ready for the offseason. It's just yeah. it's refreshing. Thanks. And there's there's player movement. You get to just kind of it's kind of a point where you're 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 allowed to be a little more optimistic, especially with the draft. I mean, th- this is a time where. You're getting to see guys who have grinded their entire lives really get to achieve their dream of getting drafted by an NBA team. So it's it's a lot of fun. I'm so excited for this draft, this free agency, the offseason, a whole thing because, you know, the Grizzlies, A, they have a really good front office. B, they have a really good young team. And three, I mean, they're, they're just getting started with the party. I know the season was fun, but they're really just getting started. So – Isaac, I want to thank you for coming on the Longview podcast with me. Uh, let the people know where they can find you and your work. Yeah, man. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore rivals. It's I-S-A-A-C underscore rivals, man. Always on talking Tigers, talking Grizz, talking sports in general. So go over there and follow me. I appreciate that. And Parker, thanks for having me on, man. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. We'll, we'll have to do this again. And you can find me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Make sure you are reading the blog over at grizzlybearblues.com. Follow us on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. We will be tweeting out a lot over the next couple days because we're going to have the community mod draft. It's that time of year. It's a bunch of chaos, but you know, I'm in it as the Golden State Warriors. Isaac, what, what's your team in the community mod draft again? Um, Sacramento Kings, and I've actually uh, been, been willing to deal in behind the scenes. Uh, we can't uh, make trades official until tomorrow, but got got some things cooking, man. We're 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 kind of toying that line uh, of whether we're going to rebuild or whether we're going to going to tear it down. We can go either way, but I'm excited about that as well, man. I'm, I'm glad to be part of the GBB Mutiny Mock Draft and again, man. I'm planning on being very active, so hit me up, man. Uh, anything's on the table with the Sacramento Kings. Absolutely, I love to hear it. So yeah, make sure you're following SBN Grizzlies on Twitter so you can see all the coverage of the. Uh, Grizzly Bear Blues community mod draft. And if you don't have Twitter, we'll be posting kind of blurbs on the reasonings behind each of the moves and stuff. So you're, you're not completely out of the neck of the woods here. But make sure you are subscribing to the Grizzly Bear Blues podcast network to hear every single episode of the Longview podcast, GBB Live, Core 4 podcast, Starting 5 podcast, and the 3 and D podcast. Shout out Will Stone for the art. Shout out to Flim Dog 100 for the beat. And we will see you next week.